0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: He says to these religious leaders, you're not going to be joining me there. I'm going to heaven, and you're not going. Now let me ask you a question. How about you? Are you going to heaven? Are you going to heaven with Jesus? You know, the only way you can get into heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ, by believing that He died on the cross for your sins, that He was buried, that He was resurrected from the dead on the third day. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Is the only way to heaven.
0: The religious leaders that confronted Jesus had committed themselves to a God other than the true God they claimed. That God was their pride and laws. They believed they were good enough on their own to earn God's favor. Many of us are guilty of the same arrogance. As Pastor Dan will warn us in today's message, this misplaced pride will blind you to your need for Jesus. You'll miss the only way to be made right with God, and the eternal consequence will be agonizing separation from Him. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 7 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: It would be safer for him to stay in Galilee. It would be easier for him to stay. It would be less trouble. It would avoid conflict. It would avoid danger if he stays in Galilee. But he goes out of obedience to the Word of God because he's commanded to go. Sometimes obedience to the Word of God is harder than disobeying God. But you still obey. You still obey. Sometimes obeying God's word will lead to conflict. It will lead to pain. It will lead to difficulty. And I think our natural person wants to just avoid that. We should obey the word of God always, even if it's the more difficult thing to do. Even if it's the more difficult thing to do. Do the hard thing and obey the word. That's what Jesus does here. Even if it's going to lead to trouble and heartache, and pain, and conflict, and all those things, Jesus went up to Jerusalem out of obedience. Look at verse 11. Then the Jews, now this would be the the people that are in Jerusalem for the feast, they sought him at the feast, and they said, where is he? So they're looking for him, and there was much complaining, there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. Some said he was good, others said no, on the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. So, so there was a lot of discussion about Jesus. There was a lot of discussion about his character. Some among the people said he's good. Others said he's a deceiver. He's a fraud. You know, the Bible tells us his character was perfect. He was sinless. He was spotless. But no one's talking about this openly out of fear for the Jews. That would be the religious leaders now. They feared the religious leaders. Over in chapter 9, verse 22, if you're taking notes, there were told that the religious leaders announced that anyone who acknowledges Jesus as the Christ will be put out of the synagogue. They'll be excommunicated. And so the religious leaders are now using fear and scare tactics to prevent people from following and believing in Jesus. And because of that now, nobody wants to talk about Jesus openly. Uh, they're all afraid. And at the same time, they're all looking for him. And they're looking for him at the feast. And they're looking for about three or four days. It's an eight-day feast. They can't find him for three or four days. Maybe wore a disguise. I don't know. <laughs> you know, Maybe had like a sombrero on or something. I don't know. People didn't recognize him. But then verse 14 says, and watch this. It says, now about the middle of the feast, so probably about the fourth day, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And, and the wording here in the Greek, it means that Jesus just suddenly appeared in the temple and starts teaching. Probably in Solomon's porch at the temple. But he just suddenly shows up, suddenly appears, seemingly out of nowhere, in the temple and starts teaching. Now, this is a fulfillment of a prophecy back in Malachi chapter 3. Listen to what it says. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. That's John the Baptist. And the Lord whom you seek, they're seeking Jesus, right? They're looking for him. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. So Malachi chapter 3 said the Lord whom they're seeking will suddenly come to the temple and here in John chapter 7, verse 14, Jesus suddenly comes to the temple and he begins teaching. And the Jews marveled the crowd now, saying, how does this man know letters having never studied? The, the Jews had rabbinical schools where they trained rabbis, much like seminaries. And the people marveled at his teachings. And how did this man learn this without going to one of our seminaries? Now, look what Jesus says. Look at his answer. This is so awesome. Verse 16 Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. Jesus says, I got my doctrine from somewhere that's better than your rabbinical schools and better than your seminaries. I got my doctrine directly from God, and he sent me here to teach it to you. Isn't that awesome? He's standing in the temple courts, and then he says, I got my doctrine from God, and he sent me here to teach it to you. And he, like, drops the mic, right? Boom, kind of thing. Look at verse 17. He says, if anyone wills to do God's will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He says, if you really want to do God's will, if you're genuinely seeking God, genuinely seeking his will for your life, you will know that Jesus' teaching is from God. And that's true. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? What a statement he's making to them. This is in the temple. He's rebuking them. Why do you seek to kill me? And the people, the crowd there, they answered and said, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Now, this multitude uh, that's there that he's speaking to, this is a multitude that's from outside of Jerusalem. They're not from Jerusalem. So they didn't know that the religious leaders were plotting to kill him. They don't know what Jesus is talking about. So they say, Who's seeking to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work and you all marveled. Moses therefore gave you circumcision. Not that it's from Moses but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Again, he's referring here back to chapter 5 when he healed the paralyzed man on the Sabbath. And he brings up here the law of Moses, and he brings up the law of circumcision. Now, in the, in the law of Moses, uh, when a child is born, a son's born, the law says you circumcise him on the eighth day. If that eighth day happens to fall on a Sabbath day, when you're not supposed to do any work, the law of circumcision supersedes the law of the Sabbath, and you still perform the procedure of circumcision, even though it's the Sabbath day, and that's, that's, that's okay. And the point that Jesus makes here is You allow circumcision on the Sabbath. You allow something to be uh, cut away from a person's physical body. And I restored something to a person's physical body. And you want to kill me for it. And you're saying, I'm breaking the Sabbath law. You're taking away from someone. I'm restoring back to someone. And you think I break the law by doing that. Now, some of them from Jerusalem. So now... These are people in the crowd that are from Jerusalem. They know what's going on. They know the religious leaders want to kill Jesus. They said, is this not he whom they seek to kill? <laughs> they know that the religious leaders want to kill him. But look, he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? I mean, here he is. He's teaching in the, in the temple courts. However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple. He yells, he shouts, you both know me and you know where I am from and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true whom you do not know, but I know him for I am from him and he sent me. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him, and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? And so the multitude are, di- are divided over Jesus. Some reject him. Some believe in him. Just like today, some people reject Jesus. Some people believe in him for salvation. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. They had temple police there to keep the order. So they send the temple police to take Jesus into custody and to arrest him. And then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer. And then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Now, where is Jesus going? Heaven. He's going back to heaven, right? And he says to these religious leaders, you're not going to be joining me there. I'm going to heaven and you're not going. Now, let me ask you a question. How about you? Are you going to heaven? Are you going to heaven with Jesus? You know, the only way you can get into heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ, by believing that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried, that he was resurrected from the dead on the third day. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. He's the only way to heaven. So you have to put your faith in him for salvation. And these religious leaders, they had rejected him, And so he says, I'm going back to my Father uh, in heaven, and you're not coming. Verse 35, but then the Jews said among themselves, well, where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks, the the Jews that live outside of Israel? Is he going to go to them and teach them? The Jewish leaders have no idea what he's talking about, what he meant by this. And so they think, well, Jesus is just going to take a show on the road, I guess. Verse 36, what is this thing that he said? You will seek me and not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. Now, verse 37. And this is really the, you know, the, the main part of the chapter. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. Now, you can stop right there.
0: We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment.
1: So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What
0: a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth.
1: It, we're told it's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. It's also called the Great Day of the Feast. And, and I mentioned at the beginning of our study that during the Feast of Tabernacles, The Jews celebrated two ceremonies in the Feast of Tabernacles, and one of those ceremonies was called the outpouring of the water. Uh, In that ceremony, the outpouring of the water, each day, the priest would take a golden pitcher, and they would go from the temple, and they would go down the steps to the Pool of Siloam, and they would fill the pitcher with water. And the, the crowds that are there, remember this is the biggest celebration of the year, they would go with the priests and follow them down the steps, and they would be singing. And listen to this, as, as the priests would, would you know, dip the pitcher of water, dip the pitcher into the water of the pool of Siloam, they would sing. The crowd would sing Isaiah chapter 12, verse three. "Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation." And they would be singing that as they're dipping their gold, golden pitcher into the pool of Siloam. And then as the priests are going back up to the temple with this pitcher of water, then the crowd would sing uh, Psalm 118. In particular, they would sing verses 25 and 26. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray. Send now prosperity. That's Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. So they're singing that as they're going back up to the temple with this pitcher of water. They'd go up to the temple. They'd go, they'd enter the temple. They'd go to the altar and they would pour the water out on the stone floor of the temple near the altar. They would do this every day of the feast. They'd go back down. They'd get a pitcher, take it back up to the temple. They'd pour it out. The crowds would be there. They'd be singing and celebrating every day. They would do this. And it it, um, it represented God providing water for the children of Israel in the wilderness. Remember how God provided water out of the rock in Exodus 17. Remember, Moses struck the rock and water came out. And it's a picture of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the rock, we're told in 1 Corinthians. Jesus was struck. He was crucified. And out of him came the waters of salvation. And anybody anybody who drinks of that water, they're saved. They receive new life. And so it's a picture of Jesus Christ. So it, it, this water ceremony, it looked ahead, or it looked back to, to the time in the wilderness where God supernaturally provided for the children of Israel water out of a rock. But this ceremony also looked ahead to the Messianic kingdom. Because of Zechariah 14, it says that when the Messiah is reigning, rivers of living water will flow out of Jerusalem Ezekiel 47 says it's going to flow out of the temple. And so not only are they looking back to when God provided water out of the rock in the wilderness, they're also looking ahead to when the Messiah comes and rivers of living water flowing out of the temple in Jerusalem. That's the context here. And they do this every day of the feast and the people sing and, and, and praise the Lord for it. And it's this big celebration. And then... On the last day of the feast, the great day, when they did this ceremony, the priests went down to the pool and they came back up to the temple and they poured out the water. At that point, on the last day, everybody would get on their knees and they'd pray. And you know what they pray for? Pray for the Messiah to come and fulfill Zechariah 14. They'd pray for the Messiah to come and establish his kingdom And the the Messiah would come and cause rivers of living water to flow out of the temple in Jerusalem, just as he promised in Zechariah 14. Look at your text. It says in verse 37 that on that day that Jesus stood up, everybody's kneeling, praying for the Messiah to come. Jesus stands up and shouts to the crowd, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, Zechariah 14, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is declaring, he's the Messiah. He's here. And he offers living water to anyone who will come to him and drink. All you have to do is come. You come to him and you drink. And you receive living water. Life giving water that satisfies the greatest thirst, the the deepest longing of your soul. He offers it to all of us, invites us to come. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you put your faith in him. The Bible tells us that uh, he forgives all of our sins. He gives us eternal life and he gives us the Holy Spirit. And times of refreshing will come, it says in the book of Acts. It's just the refreshing of salvation the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. And he tells us here, after he makes this announcement, John has this commentary in verse 9. This he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Holy Spirit is living water that refreshes us in our deepest, deepest longing and deepest need in our soul. And then finally, we'll finish up here. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, truly, this is the prophet that Moses spoke of. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? They think Jesus is from Nazareth. They don't know that he was born in Bethlehem. So there was a division among the people because of him. Jesus is always causing a division. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers, remember the Pharisees sent the officers to go and arrest him? Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why have you not brought him? We sent you to go arrest him. Why don't you bring him? Look what they said. Verse 46. The officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. <laughs> they had one job to go arrest this guy. And they come back empty handed and never heard anybody talk like this guy, you know? One commentary I read said uh, they went to arrest Jesus and they were arrested by Jesus, you know? And then, so the Pharisees are angry. Verse 47, then the Pharisees answered them, are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. They said, you know, we're the experts." We're the PhDs. We don't believe in him. And it's only the common people that don't know anything. They're the only ones that are believing him. Now, I don't know about you, but that would make me want to believe in him. If the experts are saying, yeah, this guy's not the guy, but if the common people are saying, "Hey, this is the Messiah, this is the Christ, I'm going to go with the common people on this one. That makes me want to believe in him more. Then verse 50, Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus from chapter 3, who came to Jesus by night, who was one of the religious leaders? Remember that? Nicodemus comes back into the story now. And Nicodemus said to the religious leaders, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? You know, they, they had a legal system. They had a judicial system, a process, just like we do. You had a trial. You had your day in court. Uh, and You couldn't condemn somebody without a trial. And, and Nicodemus brings that up here. Hey, doesn't, doesn't our law require us to have a hearing, have a, have a trial before we condemn him? And they answered and said to Nicodemus, are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. Now they're wrong about that. Jonah came out of Galilee. Elijah came out of Galilee. Uh, Nahum possibly came out of Galilee. So there were prophets that came out of Galilee. And so they, they tell Nicodemus, search and look, you'll see You'll see no prophet ever came out of Galilee. You search and look and you'll see that Jesus isn't, isn't the Christ. You know what Nicodemus did? He searched and looked. We're going to see Nicodemus again in chapter 19 after the crucifixion of Jesus. Nicodemus is going to come and take the body of Jesus and help Joseph uh, bury the body of Jesus. So he took their advice. He searched and looked and he concluded that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and the Savior of the world. Now listen, if you're you're not sure about Jesus, if you're a skeptic, I would challenge you, search and look. Read the Gospels for yourself. And if you search and look, what you're going to see is Jesus is who he says he is. He's the Christ. He's the Son of God. And he's the Savior that God has sent in the world to save us and give eternal life.
2: He asked me how.
0: If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings from 1 John, you can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on media. In fact, there's an entire library of Pastor Dan's messages that you're welcome to listen to and even share with friends and family. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please. Pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray, too, for your brothers and sisters in Christ listening along with you, that they would be protected from the enemy and that the truth and blessing of Scripture would fuel their passion for following the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to pray. Though our time with you is at an end for today, We'd like to encourage you not to shut your Bible just yet. Continue reading in the book of 1 John, or take some time to explore any of the other 65 books in God's Word. Each one reveals new aspects of your relationship with your Creator, and will open your eyes to His purpose and plans for this world, and for you. We pray you are blessed richly as you continue an extended time of learning from Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today. And join us next time for another edition of Ring of Truth.